and welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. I'm really happy to have your company. I'm Caroline Heim, and today we're continuing our series taken directly from the monthly live Q&As that Dr. Heim does on the iHealth Radio channel in New York with the wonderful extremely wonderful host, (laughs) Hurricane H. And in this episode, one of the questions is, why do people feel they have to have a New Year's resolution? Is that you? Actually, now's the time of year that some people have failed in their New Year's resolutions. So using the wisdom of Carl Jung and Viktor Frankl, Dr. Heim talks about how to actually carry through resolutions. He finishes off answering the question, how can we get over wanting to get approval in our group of friends? And we all want that approval. And he talks about that by talking about your internal and external locus of control. Enjoy. So why do people around the New Year believe that they need actually a New Year resolution? (laughs) Is that that a cultural thing? Is that a belief thing? Is that something that just kind of helps them reset because it's, it's a good feel? I mean, it's like a common theme and it happens every year, like, you know, clockworks. It just, everybody's like, you know, I want a new life. Yet, we have a new life every day. (laughs) Yes, yes, we do. We do have a new life every day. And there there is a cultural aspect to it, as you say, Hurricane, that, you know, we just come up with a new year, time to make some New Year's resolutions. But there's actually a deeper reason for that, because at the end of each year, we go through a cycle of spring, summer, autumn, winter, And when we come out of winter and we get that time of renewal and we get some joy and some energy for life and we're ready to get into it again, it's like, I want to get it right this time. So I'm I'm going to get to the insights of two psychoanalysts because this is very important. The first one is Carl Gustav Jung. Uh, Carl Jung actually said it was, it's good for all of us to withdraw. Just, Just get away from people just for a little bit every day, every week, and every year, perhaps even for a day, just to say, how's it going? Because in that time, you can recalibrate because we can be pulled off course. And sometimes we've got to be like a torpedo. A torpedo is going in the wrong direction all the time. And then it has a little inbuilt system that says, no, 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 so that you eventually go into the right direction. So to recalibrate and to put in a few New Year's resolutions, is a way of saying, you know what, I'm drinking too much. I'm taking too many drugs, okay? I'm, I'm not keeping my promises. I'm, I'm not being as productive as I could. These are the kind of things that we know, we each know that we could do better at and we want to do better. That's the whole thing. That's the wonderful thing about us, Hurricane. We all want to do better. So to withdraw for a day every year just to say, how's it going? According to Carl Jung, is a pretty good idea. Now, you tend to have the attitude of every day is a new day. Let's just get out there and do it right. Mm-hmm. So to advocate for that, I'm going to go to psych- uh, psychiatrist Viktor Frankl. And Viktor Frankl had this wonderful way of saying, look, live each day and make each decision as though you were going through your life the second time and you want to get it right this time. And I thought, wow, that's really powerful. With every decision you make, I want to get it right this time. Not like the last time where I made the wrong decision. No, I'm not going there. I want to get it right this time. So if you do that minute by minute, you can ask yourself, 
Is this really what you want to do if you want to get it right this time? And if you can keep that attitude with you, according to Viktor Frankl, and he got a lot of people through some really difficult times, then you're reaching for this idea of joy, happiness, and this sense of responsibility that we all need if we're going to get any joy in our lives. The, the concept that you just you know explained is, is as deep as it gets. Uh, and and I, I mean, we're talking obviously psychology here, so it's that's the deepest yeah, yeah. you can get. But but yeah. really, it's I actually use that concept personally. Yeah, yeah, by, that's by, good. That's but good. where every day, you know, you just have to be better than yesterday, and you you can change things. Yeah, and that's right. There's no and no matter what, we can make a difference, and you know, in our lives and our people around us by changing to, for better. You know, yes. it doesn't have to be the same frequency. It doesn't have to be the same. You know, result. We can yes. find new ways. And it yeah. works. So, yeah. uh, so again, I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And Hurricane, I want to tell you how deep this goes, okay? Because Viktor Frankl was in a Nazi concentration camp. He was Jewish. And every night he would give a little lecture, basically telling his uh, fellow prisoners why they shouldn't commit suicide, right? But that's how desperate it was because every day somebody was committing suicide because too many people were dying, okay? And this is one of the things that he said. The, you know, sort of, is this the decision that you want to make if you want to get it right, okay? And then, of course, he gave reasons why people shouldn't commit suicide. And the three that he came up with was, number one was love, right? If you have somebody to share with, right, that makes all the difference. The second one was purpose. If you have something that you want to do in life, okay, get out there and do it. And then the third thing was finding meaning, even in suffering. And he, he said, look, you can't get worse than a Nazi concentration camp, but there could be some meaning here that even we don't realize. Look for the meaning. That's very challenging, Hurricane, very challenging. But he boiled it down to living life as though you're living it the second time and you want to get it right this time. Well, listen, I hope that folks are watching and listening right now. I mean, there's there's some real juice here. There's some good stuff that people can take and, and maybe reflect back. And, and eventually they can. I mean, everything that you're saying is sometimes it's available, but we just don't hear it enough. And yeah. you know, as we're highlighting it, people are like, damn, I can do this. I mean, yes, it's it's anyone can do it. <laughs> there's no okay. no one has limitation. <laughs> OK, OK, but let's uh, let's go really practical. Let's say somebody does have a New Year's resolution uh -huh. and the usual New Year's resolution is losing weight or giving up alcohol. And it's sort of like I'll just have one more before I start. OK, <laughs> and and the thing is, it's very difficult to give up things like overeating or drinking alcohol. So uh, I'm going to talk just about those two, but you can apply this to anything that you feel that you are doing that you should not be doing. So firstly, by comfort eating or by drinking alcohol, that is serving a purpose in you. It is fulfilling a need. It is keeping some anxiety away from you, but you've got to find out what is it? What is it that drives me to have to do this? And then when you find out what it is, don't take your coping mechanism away until you find a better coping mechanism. So instead of just saying, I'm going to go on a, um, uh, on a total uh, weight binge, you know, I'm not going to eat anymore, that's going to fail unless you find something else that is going to solve your problems for you, okay? And one of the ways of doing this is to want something really good 
really badly. I want a better life, but I really want it. I'm going to work hard for it. And this is how I'm going to get it. And then you find your coping mechanisms to say, right, I can now do without alcohol, or at least I can do without getting uh, inebriated every Friday night. I can actually cut it down to here because I now like the idea of keeping my memory intact 24-7, seven days a week. Because a lot of people do not want their memory intact for that long. So you've got to find another way. And often, particularly in alcohol, it is finding a therapist to talk things through to because the therapist starts doing the things that the alcohol used to do. Makes you feel okay that things will be, that you're going to survive and they will help you put in a plan for the next day. So anybody who puts in a New Year's resolution, that's a difficult one. Find out what it's doing for you. Find a separate coping mechanism. Then want a better life really badly to actually get there. It's hard work, hurricane, but it's worth it. Well, I mean, nothing is easy, right? Uh, everybody's got to, you know, you got to make some moves and you got to make it work and yeah. you got to commit to it. Again, talking about commitment, but this is a different one. It's for yourself. Yeah. And yeah. again, we're still in the beginning of the year, so I think it's perfect. <laughs> so I wanted to actually make sure that, you know, we get this this answer for folks. So, you know, you you can do this and you will do it and you just have to follow those steps. And doctor, thank you for giving us some key. Oh, no, that, that's right. Plus, when people put in New Year's resolutions, they will fail. We all fail. And when, let's say I'm working with somebody who wants to give up something like smoking, right? Uh, and they come to me and basically say, look, I've failed again. And I say, congratulations. And I say, what for? Well, each failure will bring you closer to your success. And then we ask, what did you learn from this failure? Well, I learned this didn't work. I oh, know that's right. And this, and, and I need this. Okay, good. So let's work on that before we try again, okay? But then there'll come the time when we'll try again. And you know what? It'll get to the stage where people succeed. Wonderful. Doctor, Doctor you, you brought up something that is powerful because I think the, the, the theme of failure and success comes, you know, very often to all of us and everybody is always debating about it. But you're yes. right. You know, your failure is a success because as long as you acknowledge and learn from it and, you know, see the value of it and it helps you reset and be better on the next round. And that's it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, 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 just the way you you, you stated it, it just makes it very easy for folks to to comprehend. And I'm really coming from you. I mean that that that's powerful because you do this for treatment. You're helping people, and most of the people are shocked to your point. They're like, "I failed." Yeah. No, you didn't. You actually learned. You actually getting one step closer, and that's exactly a big you know difference in mindset and how you think about you know the the concept. Someone says, "I failed. I'm that. It's over. I give yes. up." Yes. And we don't want that. Yes. Yes. In fact, uh, this is why sometimes we go to uh, famous sports people because they have this mindset. And uh, one of the people who has failed most in this life is Roger Federer, the world's number one uh, tennis player. He has lost more grand slams than he's uh, won, far more. But he's ready to lose, and that's why he wins. Michael Jordan, the greatest um, basketball player, says the same things. I've, I've gotten so many baskets because I have missed so many beforehand. The only time you fail is when you don't play the game, when you don't get out there and do what you believe that you should be doing. If you should be playing tennis, play tennis. If you, if you should be a, um, uh, a lawyer or a business person, then get out there and do it. If you are there to be a caregiver or a volunteer, get out there and do it. Uh, you can't fail if you're actually doing it. 
And I just want to add one thing to that. Don't listen to anyone that tells you otherwise. <laughs> and, and, and the reason I say that, because that, that takes us to, to, I guess, the next question, which is about yeah. the influence of others. Because yes. I think sometimes we listen to people who yes. almost will, will enjoy seeing you fail or yes. who are not going to be, who will be envious of your success and so on and so forth. Yes. So they'll actually go to the concept that, you know, no, you can do this. You can't do this. They just make you feel so miserable about it that you literally give it up. Yes. Uh, so the question is, and do we have more time? Do we have, we have one, for one question? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> we right. do. So, so what makes people get easily influenced by the, by the behavior of their entourage and circle of friends, whether good or bad? How does this process occur? And can I possibly achieve a level of control and not for captive to this trap? Jennifer. Ah, oh, Jennifer, such a good question. Such a good question because it brings us back to boundaries. Right, And the thing is that we as human beings are by nature, by our very nature, social creatures. We want approval. In fact, we need approval from other people. If we are not accepted by other people, it feels like a death sentence to us. However, in all of us, that situation can be manipulated. It can be manipulated for other people to get out of you what they want, rather than for your own good. And so we have to start to be discerning as to who is a real friend and who is somebody who just wants you around to make them feel better. So in psychology, we have this idea of an internal locus of control or an external locus of control. And it sounds a bit technical, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain. Let's say a group of friends are out and they decide that they're going to watch a movie. If you've got an external locus of control, you let other people make decisions for you. Let's say they want to go see this horrible film. Uh, it's, it's a horror story, a lot of blood and gore and supernatural things, and you're quite susceptible to nightmares. And you go, sure, that's fine with me. Let's go and see the movie. And then you end up with nightmares for two weeks. That's too much of an external locus of control. An internal locus of control is saying, I'll do what I want. Now, if you go to the movies and you always want to see the movie that you want, you never want to make any compromises for anybody else, you're going to see a lot of movies by yourself, right? So somewhere in between these two extremes, sometimes say yes to people, sometimes no, that is not good for me, right? So we're always looking for a higher good. Now, a higher good is how you are going to be in the future and how you are going to be with your friends in the future. Right. So if you can see yourself getting on better with your friends, enjoying life more, and it's good for you, go ahead, see the movie. But if you're going to be a, a nervous wreck for two weeks, don't see the movie. Say, guys, I just got to sit this one out. And somewhere in between there, we've got to make those decisions. And in our orbital frontal cortex, which is actually the very front of our brain. It's the part that goes ahead of us, but it guides us. It's where we make decisions. These days, I need to say that most of us are not making decisions for ourselves enough. And there's a good reason for that. None of us have as many friends as we used to 20 or 30 years ago. We have studies to show us that. So we make more compromises for friends. There's a limit to that. I would suggest that we have more friends that are good quality friends that actually want what's good for you. And if you have a friend that says, hey, if you're going to have nightmares for two weeks, I don't want you to see this movie. I'll go see something else with you. 
that's a friend, right? And that will deepen the relationship and you will feel better about them the next day and you will feel better yourself the next day. So sometimes you've got to do things for yourself, have an internal locus of control. Sometimes you've got to be flexible, go with the flow, do something with other people, right? And that's having an external locus of control. The ideal is to be able to do that all and to think, think with your orbitofrontal cortex, what do I want? What is best for me and my friends? So thank you for that question, Jennifer. It's a very important one. Well, thank you, Doc. And, and you know, it's, it's amazing because the idea of you kind of compromising here and being yeah. a little bit of a, uh, a, a good sport, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a very powerful, you know, idea because most of the people sometimes, to your point, they go one way or the other. But if you really want the right folks around you, you should also be able to give back. And, and, and it's, it's a give and take. It's a two way street. It's not always about you and no more selfishness and none of that stuff. Yeah. And um, the other thing I was going to say just about this concept here is the philosophy here of uh, you set in those boundaries, you know, but yeah. you can also limit yourself. Yeah. If you go yeah. to one end, you know, versus the other, yeah. you want to be yeah. in the middle. A yeah. good example, if you go on a, on, on a trip or you go with a group of people to anywhere, you know, sometimes yeah. that's a chaos because yeah. everybody wants to do everything. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right. Know, that's I, right. I, I, and I've seen that happen where, you know, so I actually choose one very easy, simple way. You know, if there's too many people and, and, and decision makers, I just stay out, you know, whatever. I don't make, a, you know, any suggestions unless they ask me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> When I, yeah. when I choose to be in a group, then the group decides. When I choose to be, you know, leading or whatever, that's different. I'll make a decision. But, yeah. but it makes life a lot easier that way because otherwise you clash and, and you end up not doing anything and just like going multiple directions. Yeah. And that's pretty common. Yes, it is. It's very common. It's very common. In fact, we so want to get on with people that people abdicate responsibility and decision making. You can get a group of 10 people. What movie should we see? Oh, whatever you want. Oh, I'm easy. And everybody's easy. And so all of a sudden, there's no decision being made, you know. And then if somebody makes a decision, everybody sort of goes, I didn't want to see that. No, I hate that movie. What the hell let him make that decision, okay? So these are dynamics. And what I wanted to say about that is we sometimes think it it is all or nothing, or left and right. And it's maybe because we've got a left and a right hand that we think that the answer is on or off, okay? But often the answer is what Aristotle called a golden mean. You go for somewhere in between because both extremes, they tend to be wrong. Whereas somewhere in the middle, and we will all choose the middle differently, and to be able to be flexible, just move from one to the other, depending on the situation, that would actually be more ideal. But because we're human and we've all got different ideals, we'll all have different ideas as to where that golden mean actually is. Well, true, Doc, but, but here's the thing, right? If you want to be in a group and you yeah. want to have a circle and you want to be enjoying a, you know, a family affair or, or friends you know, out in whatever, you have yeah. to be able to, to be flexible with that. I mean, it's not yeah. just now you have more than one person that that's going to have an opinion. And so therefore you want to yeah. be able to be, it's not, it might work my way, it may not. So you have to be prepared to the idea that it's not going to be always your way here. <laughs> and right. it could be a different that's decision. Right. If you don't, then you might, to your point earlier, may, maybe you're going to wind up, you know, not going with anyone. You'll be solo. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, that's right. Yeah. 
Well, well, listen, Doc, I mean, we're coming to the end and I, I know your, your time is valuable. And uh, so I have a few more questions. So we'll, we'll, resolve, we'll reserve them for the next one. <laughs> we'll do this again, Hurricane, and we'll get yeah. into more of the questions. Yes. So do you have an internal or an external locus of control? Or perhaps social media is your locus of control? Actually, if it is, Dr. Heim has just put together a great video on social media addiction and what screens are doing to your brain. You can actually follow the link. I'll pop it in the description to watch it. So hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please subscribe, spread the word and recommend them to others. Bye for now.